0: Mark most recently served as the president and chief executive officer of Mizuno USA. And before joining Mizuno in 2015, he served as chief marketing officer and senior vice president for Boys and Girls Club of America, the leading youth development organization in the world. Prior to that, he held executive positions at Honey Baked Ham, Johnsonville Sausage, and the Miller Brewing Company. After graduating from St. Norbert College, he pursued his master's in sports management From Georgia Southern University. Mark O'Brien, welcome into the corner office.
1: Brent, thank you for the introduction and thank you for having me here today. Just
0: tell us a little bit about your early years, you know, where you grew up and what you were like as a kid.
1: (laughs) Well, let's see, I grew up in uh, a little village called Greendale. It's in the state of Wisconsin, just south of Milwaukee. And uh, so Greendale, Wisconsin is is my hometown. And uh, my parents are both originally from England. My father's from Dagnan, My mother's from Hemel Hempstead. So uh, my sister and I are first first generation here. Wow, uh, that's true. Which was exciting. When
0: well, the Wisconsin birth explains the Packers
1: fans, obviously. <laughs> exactly, that explains a lot. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, for me, it was it was a great childhood because I had parents that were, you know, literally from another country, uh, first time here. So I had a a very different experience than maybe. Uh, some of my friends whose parents and grandparents and great grandparents had had been in the US longer and uh, had their roots here. Uh, and was very fortunate to, to have uh, an understanding of not only my parents upbringing in England, uh, but then also have a, a great relationship with uh, my sister Michelle. and uh, just was very fortunate. She's my big sister, but she uh, she was uh, paramount in my early years as a child and and we were really close uh, as as we navigated. You know all sorts of uh, challenges as as uh, children do.
0: That's terrific. And did uh, mom
1: and dad immigrate uh, for
0: work over here, or was it uh, you know came coming over there when they were in their younger years?
1: Yeah, it's a great story. My my mother came over with her parents um, at the latter part of her high school years, and and went back to uh, went back to England and uh, my mother and father had known each other in high school, but they were on the opposite side of the tracks. So uh, rival school, so to speak. And my father, you know, they were, they were smitten at the uh, age of 18, 19 years old. And my father jumped on the boat and literally sailed across the ocean and, uh, joined my mother's family, um, in New York and they were going to be actually headed to Atlanta, Georgia, but they were diverted to Milwaukee, Wisconsin uh for reasons still unknown to me today. But that's quite a diversion. (laughs) (laughs) It is a significant diversion. But then uh so with nineteen dollars my dad had in his pocket, he made a go of it in the US and uh did very well for himself.
0: Great story. Great story. So what business was he in uh as you were growing up in Wisconsin?
1: Yeah, he was he was actually uh he was in the he would tell you he sold socks. Uh, he was in retail, but he did uh, custom suits. So he's always visiting New York and, and, uh, going to the various, uh, sh- fabric shows and what have you to, to bring the, the best fabrics and the best materials, uh, for, for custom making suits, uh, in, in not only Milwaukee, but uh, mid- across the Midwest and certainly across the country as businessmen came to, uh. Milwaukee to do business, so uh, and it was great because he he literally we'd go to a, a Bucks game and he he'd know everybody uh, in the arena. Just as a little boy, I just remember everybody coming up to uh, shake my dad's hand and, and wish him well. Awesome.
0: And uh, was uh, your mom a stay-at-home mom or did she work as well?
1: No, she worked as well. Uh, she stayed at home the, the first few years, but then she worked as well. Uh, she was uh, worked as an executive assistant uh, throughout her career and uh, for a couple different country clubs in, in the Milwaukee area uh, and was uh, very successful in her own right in her industry and uh, proud of proud of what she accomplished as a professional as well. Got it.
0: cool so tell us a little bit about your early school years. did you attend public school private school? were you a good student? <laughs> I
1: was I was all in on the public schools I, uh, I was not I was not the smartest kid in the class but I was the I was the kid that would work. As hard as anyone, and I think that's you know that's weaves throughout my story, uh, even to this day is is the hard work piece.
0: Sports became a big part of your career later on, and we'll get to that in a few minutes. But what kind of sports did you play in school?
1: Well, early on it was you know any everything and anything. I think to my dad's chagrin, my father he you know growing up in England, he was a uh, uh, you know uh, what they would call football, what we would call soccer. He was a huge soccer, soccer fan, right? Um, and unfortunately, that wasn't the sport I chose. I, I played uh, football, baseball, uh, basketball, tennis, uh, swam for fun. Uh, but as, as I got older and uh, through middle school and high school, I uh, started to really focus in on baseball, basketball, and football. And then in high school, I, I started to really focus on baseball. And ultimately, that led to an opportunity to play uh, I, I jokingly refer to it as division 27 baseball, but division three, <laughs> division three baseball and, and uh, allowed me to continue to, to, you know, enjoy my passion, which is baseball and um, uh, pursue my education as well. So that, that was a, that was a win-win.
0: So, uh, other than sports outside of class, any uh, early leadership roles or entrepreneurial things? Did you have a paper route? Did you sell mistletoe at Christmas time? Tell us a little bit about uh, maybe any of those ventures uh, early on, if any.
1: You know, Brent, I think I missed the mistletoe gig, <laughs> but I did. I had a, I had a paper route. I, uh, I actually, my first job was was cutting lawns. It kept me outside. It. it gave me an opportunity to, to do something around the neighborhood and, and keep busy. And um, when I wasn't playing sports, you know, I'd, I'd find something else to do. And, um, you know, we did everything from, you know, I was uh, let's see, cut the grass, did the did the paper route. I had a morning route. So I was up at five in the morning delivering papers on my right. bike. And if you can imagine doing that in, the, months in the middle of December, of December, and January, <laughs> not an easy task. I could imagine. And a few a few mornings where I uh, went head over heels over the handlebars uh, because of the the snow and slickness of the hills uh, and what uh, have sure. you, um, uh, but yeah, I was I was a busboy as well, and and you know, and then I I had a, a mall a couple different mall jobs. Was so uh, this in high, high school or
0: school. junior high, high school?
1: Yeah. Yep. All right. Yeah, that that got me into high school, and uh, then I was involved in uh, DECA, uh in high school as well, which which gave me an opportunity to really start to. Hone my thinking around business and sales and marketing.
0: Um, sounds like you're pretty busy with working retail and, you know, keeping your grades up and, and being involved in DECA. Anything else involved in, in the school years? Any other clubs or interests, drama, you know, class, uh, uh, politics, that type of thing, or or is that pretty much your full, uh, you know, your full plate, so to speak?
1: Yeah, it was primarily sports, sports. Uh, yeah. there were some extracurricular activities with with DACA. I started a program at our high school called uh, alatine uh which which was you know core to my you know my my beliefs and my background um and alatine is is uh it's a little personal but it it, it speaks to kids yeah. that come from um, uh, families uh, that have alcoholism. twelve step, yeah, 12 step program yeah, twelve
0: step families and, I, and I, yeah. think,
1: awesome. I think that you know that also presents a a really interesting, um, uh, foundation to approaching challenges and, personally and in business. So uh, I think that was also another great, you know, foundational component in my early years. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. And, um, uh, St. Norbert college, uh, <laughs> tell me a
0: little bit about the choice to go there. And, you know, do you have an idea of what you wanted to do
1: when you I did, did. Uh, you know, I, I, knew early on, I wanted to, uh, to play baseball, um, professionally, And then not too, not soon after that, I figured out that that really wasn't going to happen. So the opportunity (laughs) to play in college at a, you know, at a division two or division three level was of interest. I, I just wasn't quite, uh, didn't quite have the the talent to play maybe at a division one or the appropriate division one school. Um, and St. Norbert was just, I, I went and visited the campus. It's up in Green Bay, Wisconsin. It's a fantastic institution. Uh, and it was perfect, uh, for, for what I was looking for. I needed a a smaller school that, that could help me stay focused on my academics and my education, but also give me an outlet to, uh, participate in, in baseball and the sport that I love and, and has been so core to my, awesome. you know, my background.
0: Were they division two, or division, uh, division,
1: three? division three and, and, uh, yeah. great, you know, great experience. We traveled, we, um, uh, we were competitive, a uh, great group of guys. Uh, and I played uh, really? freshman through junior year. I didn't play my senior year. I played three years yeah. and, and, um, it's a great school. I mean, it's, it's a liberal arts school, uh, small school, but
0: private. It private, is, Yep. Private um, liberal arts. Is it in the Jesuit tradition, yeah. uh, the, the saint kind of gave it away, but I know many of those <laughs> saints have converted yes, yes. over the years.
1: So it's, it was, uh, you know, it provided a, a religious backdrop, uh, which, which is also, um. Uh, uh, you know, enabled me to to explore some of my my thoughts and beliefs and at a young younger age. And uh, uh, I can't speak, you know, more highly of St. Norbert College. Yeah, awesome. Is faith a pretty uh, important foundation of your life and career? Unequivocally, yes. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. And so tell us a little bit about what you studied and, and what were the things that interested you most at uh, St. Norbert's.
1: Well, initially, I, I really, I was interested in um you know, business and economics and uh, then I, I really started to get more intrigued by human behavior and communications and mm-hmm. so I, I pursued uh, and achieved my degree in, in communications uh, and I, the reason I did that is I think I you know for me it's it's truly it all starts with people and so understanding um, the intricacies of communication both verbal and nonverbal uh, was of, of just great interest and I think you know, uh, has been and continues to be paramount in how I approach business today. Were you working during your uh, St. Norwich year or fully dedicated as a, as a student athlete? Uh, no, I, I worked full time in college. Uh, freshman year, I held multiple jobs. I, I overtasked myself because I was so excited to get involved in so many different activities. <laughs> uh, cool. and, then, and then I dialed that back. Uh, I was a resident assistant my sophomore year, and then I worked security for the campus uh, my my last two years, and I'd work uh, nearly forty hours a week for financial purposes. But uh, yeah,
0: help, um, help support yourself exactly. full time. Yeah,
1: exactly. And so, I yeah. uh, worked my way through college, and you know, was was fortunate to have opportunities uh, to work through college a- as I pursued my education and played uh, baseball.
0: So the thought process of of you know leaving baseball uh, before you finish your
1: college years. Yeah, you know, I, I think when I. Um, I just, I recognize that my talents were were only going to take me so far and, and, uh, from a, a actual playing baseball perspective and, and I love the sport and it's a fantastic yeah. sport. So I actually, my junior year, I started to reach out, uh, to, to conduct some informational interviews and I reached out to the GM of, of, at the time, the, uh, uh, the minor league baseball team in, in Appleton, Wisconsin. And, and uh-huh. I also cold called the, uh, Senior Vice President of the Milwaukee Brewers at the time, and, and wow. ironically, when I called the Brewers, I just called the the front desk and asked to speak to the guy. His name was uh, Laurel Priebe. I I doubt he'd remember the story, but I'm forever grateful. Uh, he um, he took my call, and I, and so <laughs> awesome. one minute I'm calling, the next, literally ten seconds later, I'm actually speaking with him, <laughs> and uh, I just asked. I said, "Hey, I, I'm a student at Saint Norbert, Would you?" Would you mind taking a few minutes to meet with me if I could come down to your office? Uh, I just want to learn about how you got to where you are and uh, the approach you took and, and maybe some advice you could provide a, a college student. And, and to his credit, yeah. he met with me. And yeah. Wow, so that's awesome. So from that day, I, f- literally from that day when I walked out of, uh, at the time, County Stadium... I said, uh, I will do that for any student that reaches out to me.
0: Yeah, yeah. Terrific. Great. Never forget that. So did you go to work right away out of St. Norbert's? Did you go right to your graduate school? Tell us a little bit about that period.
1: Yeah, so based on the advice that I had received um, from both of my informational interviews, I, um, I actually ended up uh, going to a conference in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, a residence life conference with my roommate from college uh, on, on our way to spring break. And, um, I met, uh, I met the executive staff uh, of residence life from Georgia Southern university. And they had explained to me that, uh, as we were chatting, uh, that there's a, a master's program in sports management. And I had hmm. no idea that you could get your master's in sports management yeah. uh, at that time. And so, uh, we hit it off and, and they said, you know, look, when you get back from your senior spring break trip, call us and let's talk about a potential graduate assistantship. And I didn't, I wasn't familiar with what a graduate assistantship was at the time. And they explained, well, you can come to college, you you can work on your master's and we'll actually, the the assistantship will, will pay you as you work on your master's. So it was a, it was an opportunity where I, I uh, learned more about Georgia Southern, learned about the master's program in sports management. And uh, then they, presented an opportunity to be the resident director of Dorman Hall which at the time was the football hall on campus uh, and I was the resident I became the resident director for Dorman Hall as part of my graduate assistantship and uh, pursued my master's
0: and then that was a two-year program
1: so that was a two-year program and I, I actually I left early uh, my, my father had passed away so I, I was going through a little bit of a, a challenging time as a young man. And, uh, I had, a, I went to the uh, baseball winter meetings that uh, December and I was presented an opportunity to join a, uh, minor league baseball organization in the front office. So, um, sounds glamorous, yeah. but in, in the minor leagues, you know, there's, there's really not too much glamorous about the minor leagues. Right. Uh, you, you pretty much, you know, you, you do a little bit of everything, which is fantastic. Uh, for me, it gave me such a, a foundational experience from a business perspective From finance to sponsorship, sales, marketing, communications, uh, PR, uh, HR—you know it's just you you run the gamut. uh, Procurement, uh, concessions. Uh, So so you're literally one day you're you're working with the mayor on a project in the city, and you know three hours later you might be cooking hot dogs in the concession stand. (laughs) So it really it's it's a it's a great experience, and I was I was so fortunate to be able to work in minor league baseball.
0: What were some of those early leadership lessons for you?
1: You know, it, I, I'll say the the early leadership lessons always come back to people and the ability mm. to uh, communicate, uh, to provide clarity and and and, can, and be candid in your conversations, but respectful. Uh, yeah. And it's it's always being authentic. I think people, no matter who you are, you know where you come from, uh, they appreciate. Authenticity and candor, uh, as long as it's respectful. I think my dad. You know, my dad. He would take me to his his work uh, every once in a while on a on a, uh-huh. on a Saturday, and and I'd get to uh, help out. You know, probably get in the way of everybody, but um, he made me feel like I was helping out, contributing. And I think those lessons, you know, the fact that he'd work on Saturdays when a lot of people were off, you know, also taught me, um, you know, the the dedication and, and commitment that he. Uh, he had to his craft and and how hard he was working uh, for our family.
0: Yeah, awesome. What about your faith? Uh, do you think that's influenced your leadership uh, approach in life? And if so, how? yeah, no
1: question. I, I you know one thing that I uh, as, as people who know me, you know one of the things that I um, I, I don't I, I don't promote it uh, because you know I think everybody has their own uh, their own rights and their own uh, right to their their beliefs uh, as, as it pertains to faith. Uh, and, and I respect that immensely. Um, but if people broach the topic with me, I'm, I'm happy to share my perspective on it, sh- share my experiences with it. Uh, and then I also, you know, I believe heavily in, in, um, a prayer that I use is, uh, the serenity prayer. And I, I mm. practice that on, yeah. a, on a daily basis. Uh, we're all human. So, you know, I'll fail multiple times today alone. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, we just need that little pick me up. So uh, the serenity prayer to me is, is something that uh, has, has been an, uh, foundational and instrumental in helping me navigate some challenging times.
0: Some of the lessons, uh, tell us a little bit about that, maybe from some of your early management experiences, maybe citing some of the things. If you've worked for some just awesome brands and companies over the years, if you had to maybe kind of pull a common thread through some of the things that you've picked up, what would those be?
1: Yeah, I, I think uh, the the lessons that I've learned is, um, let's see, I would say first and foremost, you know, it's important to um for each of the brands that I've, I've learned, it's, it's important to have, have a clear mission, vision, and purpose. And if, if the business has a clear mission and I define that as why we come in every day, uh, the vision is how we want to be described in the next, you know, five, 10 years. And then the purpose, what are we contributing beyond just the bottom line? You know, obviously we're in business, uh, for the business, but if you can be in business beyond just the bottom line and you're contributing to society in a, in a bigger, more impactful way, uh, that that's, can be even more rewarding uh, than the financial gains because you're actually contributing to, to the benefits of society. Uh, and so for me, as, as the lessons I've learned is the, the greater clarity there is on your mission, vision, and purpose with clearly stated values of the organization, and, and that they're demonstrated consistently, um, and, and, addressed when they're not demonstrated because as that's, that's critical and, and as important. Uh, I think for me, uh, that has, that has a profound impact on not only the results of the business, uh, but the culture of the organization and how people feel about the business that they're, they're working for and the company they're working for and what they do day in and day out. And so for me, the lessons learned have been about, uh, Making sure or understanding um, the a, a clear mission, vision, and purpose of the organization, and the values that define them, and how uh, how you as an individual, not just the leader of the organization, but how you as an individual play an in, uh, uh, important role in making sure that you not only understand that but deliver on those those key components uh, day in and day out.
0: So true, uh, do you think that your success and you know obviously making it to the corner office as well um, also that you have a very personal, clear mission, vision, and purpose, and values and if so, tell us about those
1: yeah I, I I think you know uh, as as we we've talked here you you've heard me talk a lot about people, and I think my one of my uh my great joys in life is to work closely with people, collaborate with people and and Help them uh, achieve more than they even thought possible, and I and I love to pour into people, and and uh, not that I necessarily know better or that I'm I'm smarter or better by any stretch, uh, but I, I just love when I'm able to work with people and see them achieve more than they ever thought possible, and I think you know part yeah. of my my purpose is is exactly that to be uh, a bit of a servant leader and and really try to bring the best out in people in in any, any, in every way possible.
0: You know, that's a very common characteristic. We've heard that so often in many of our podcasts, how important it is. And I've heard it described as kind of the inverted, inverted pyramid, right? You know, I'm not at the top of the organization. I'm at the bottom. I'm here to support everyone else. You kind of buy into that philosophy as well?
1: Unequivocally. I mean, I I think that's the key to leadership is, you know, you know, there's, there's multiple styles uh, and, and. For me, my perspective would be the most rewarding and satisfying form of leadership is that inverted pyramid where you serve others and and you serve them by being being candid and honest and transparent uh, and collaborative and and sometimes that means having the the difficult conversation. That doesn't mean right. always being you know it's not always rainbows and unicorns. It means being authentic. It means having the difficult conversations, um, but you're you're helping them by doing that. And uh, ultimately, that helps the business as well.
0: No question. Well, what about feedback uh, over the years? Have you gotten feedback from your team on your management style, and w- what kind of uh, words do they use, and what kind of feedback have you received about that?
1: Well, I, I you know, I've been humbled by the feedback I've re- I've received, and and I would say, you know, I'm human, so uh, you know, they, they 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 will be quick to humble me as well. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a. Uh, the feedback I've received is that I'm I'm highly collaborative. Uh, They know that I care about them because I have the difficult conversations. Uh, I care, care about the individual. I care about the team. I care about the organization. Uh, They, they will say that I, I work very hard and have very high expectations. uh, Not only of myself, but of others. And uh, I've, I've been, growing to understand that sometimes my expectations are, uh, are are pretty, um, extremely high. So, uh, am having to manage, you know, what that, what that means and how I navigate those high expectations and, and helping people be successful. Um, now the the converse, conversely, you know, I, I have high expectations of myself, so I don't ask others to do something that I wouldn't do or, or hold others to a standard that I don't try to hold myself to. And,
0: um, you know, When you're doing your hiring and, and looking for people to invest in, um, you know, what, what do you look for? What are the things that you uh, want to see when you're making bets on people?
1: Well, I want to see that they have a positive attitude. I want to really see mm-hmm. that they, you know, they come in uh, not just with every problem in the world, but ideas and solutions. Uh, and I think that positive approach um, is, is critical uh, because if, if they're only coming in with the, the challenges of the day, Uh, that's easy to do it's it's people that can say here are all the challenges that i'm seeing but here's things we can do to fix them Uh, that's exciting and then i also look for people that are very passionate about what they do whatever that might be it could be an accountant Mm -hmm. it could be a sales rep could be someone in hr or supply chain or procurement Uh, but if they're really passionate about what they do uh, that that can overcome a lot and and i really look for uh, that that positive attitude a passion for what they do and then also that that ability to overcome challenges that they don't just give up at the at the first uh, uh first hurdle and and they really look to uh uh overcome challenges and and find solutions uh even if their their first first one two or three uh ideas don't work they're they're still finding a, another way a better way Awesome.
0: And uh, h- how do you interview and hire? What's kind of uh, what you find to be the most effective way to do so when you're either looking at your senior staff or maybe involved in some of the important hires deeper within the organization?
1: I look for diversity and experience, you know, and and so that, you know, when you look around the table, it's, it's not all the same people uh, with the same background and, and the, uh, the, the same interests, because I think diversity of thought can help strengthen, uh, an overall business. And I also look for, uh, you know, making sure that you put people, uh, in positions that they're most passionate about. And, and to me, you know, i just mentioned passion earlier, uh, that, that is so key that if you can have people working on stuff, uh, you know, the business components that are, that they love to work on, that they're most passionate about, it's, it's almost, it's almost like it's not work to them because they love to do it. And it's, it's something that you can't teach if, if they're truly authentically passionate about it and they have a diverse background and experience, uh, maybe not even from the same industry, uh, but, but they can bring a, a fresh perspective to the team and to the organization and the problem solving. Uh, I think that's key and then how they overcome problems, you know, what they're thinking is and, and the approach to, um, overcoming those hurdles that, that I mentioned.
0: You know, I've heard it said that uh, an ounce of passion is sometimes worth a pound of brains. Um, have you found that in your hiring as well, that sometimes that level of excitement is as important as what, you know, you can teach them on the job or or frankly, you can teach them on the job what they need to know, but they need to have that level of enthusiasm?
1: There's no question. And I, I think, you know, th- there's there's uh, a lot to be said for for, actually, for, for the actual uh, intellectual and, and really smart individuals. But they, if they don't have the uh, application uh, or the ability to apply those thoughts and that critical thinking to execution, uh, it's just theoretical. And, and oftentimes yeah. that's where I've seen really smart people struggle. Uh, and, and so I try to find ways to leverage their strengths. Uh, what I hate to see is that the, the, uh, the intellectuals uh, be put in positions where they not only have to be part of the strategic, uh, process, but then the execution side of it, because oftentimes it, that that's a hurdle, uh, and I'm generalizing there, but that's why I really right. like to play to people's strengths so that it, it, you know, there's a nice handoff and, and you leverage the talents, um, that, that you have on your team. And it, it's no different for me. I, I think of it as a baseball team, you know, putting your, putting your catcher at shortstop probably not the best right. idea.
0: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but having somebody with shortstop skills and first baseman skills and pitching skills are exactly
1: that's exactly right yeah,
0: yeah. When you're specifically hiring, you know, as a CEO and looking for, you know, key direct reports on your executive team, what, you know, beyond the disciplinary responsibilities, you know, whether they be finance, marketing, or et cetera, uh, what, what would you say are the key things that you look for on, from a qualitative standpoint for those direct reports?
1: I think that emotional intelligence is really important. You know, how they're, mm-hmm. how they're able to engage team members, persuade and influence uh, versus just dictate through title or authority. I think people that, that, um, lack that emotional competency is, you know, is detrimental to, uh, the, the, uh, success of your leadership team. And and I think having team members that are able to collectively work together is, is critical. And, um, I know that sounds probably pretty, uh, pretty basic. Uh, but I've been surprised, uh, just on my experience is how you know sometimes it 's just not the case and, and so you have to that creates more challenges uh, if you don 't have the the right um, team members in place that have that emotional intelligence and, and ability to collaborate and drive results together uh, harmoniously and that doesn 't mean you can 't disagree that just means that people are able to work together and work through the challenges right. uh, to to get to the best solutions for for the business and the organization as a whole. Yeah. Would you mind
0: sharing with us some of uh, what you think are your best interview questions?
1: Yeah, I, I don't mind at all. I, I think this this is one of my, you know, one of, one of my, uh, and I try to keep the interviews to 30 to 45 minutes, um, at least the initial one. And one of the questions that I ask is, you know, I, I ask them to think about a brand or a business that they admire and um, think of three brands and you know, they, they name their three brands. And then, then I say, okay, for each brand, let's, let's dissect each, each brand, describe a word, um, uh, three words, give me three words to describe each one of those brands. Um, mm-hmm. and then they'll describe that brand in those words. And, and I let them know, there's no wrong or right answer. It's just, uh, you know, just uh, conversational at this point. And then I said, okay, well, well, you know, you're a brand. So, so Brandt, you're a brand, mm-hmm. you know, you, you put on uh your sport coat today your slacks uh maybe a tie maybe not um you know that's that's your packaging you know when you walked in and and you met your your staff today and you, you shook someone's hand um you know that's that's representative of your brand maybe you gave them a high five or a a flying elbow or a a fist bump I don't know but that speaks to what your brand is so I'll ask the the candidate tell me uh so you're 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 the brand brand give me three words uh, that describe your brand. And then I, then I ask them, okay, now tell me how would your current coworkers describe your brand? Would they use those exact same three words? And the reason I ask this question, and, and again, there's no right or wrong answer. I just want to, I really want to understand how they think of themselves and how, and how they think others think of them. Yeah. Uh, and then that, that creates, uh, an opportunity to talk about them as a person and then it inevitably leads into what they're most passionate about, uh, because because of the brands that they mentioned prior. Yeah. Um, so that's a, that's a for me, I found it a, a really uh, engaging way, an interesting way to speak to potential candidates and team members. Um, and then I also uh, I wrap it up by just really asking them, you know, segue off of the the, the brand question about them and ask the ask the individual uh, what their greatest you know, five-star accomplishment is in their career to date and why? And why is that? Why are they so proud of that experience? What, what makes them, you know, you know, just like, this is the one experience that I would scream from the mountaintops about because it was so amazing. So awesome. And it's, it's great to hear them talk about that because it really, it also uh, highlights their passion point. It really brings out what they're most interested in. And then why.
0: Thank you, Mark. Well, we're just about out of time. So I've got one last question for you. And then uh, I'd love to, for you to also give us some parting thoughts. But if you were, you know, to give some advice to some of our listeners, particularly those of which that either see themselves or aspire to get to their own corner office, uh, what would some of that advice be in terms of, you know, how to get there and and what they might do in their careers to, uh, you know, achieve their highest level of, uh, of passion and goals for uh, their work?
1: Yeah. I think you you really have to make sure, you know, that, that you understand what you're most passionate about, what you love to do, why you love to do it. And then as, as you start your career, understand that it's not a, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon and, and to take on challenges that make you feel maybe a little bit uncomfortable, but aren't completely out of your zone of comfort. Uh, because for me, my, my philosophy, my belief is play to your strengths. And if you play to your strengths, right. uh, work doesn't need to be the, the drudgery that it's made out to be by so many. I think if you play to your strengths, you can find something that you truly love to do. You'll be great at doing it. Your career will excel and you'll continue to grow. And then I think lastly, you know, just be authentic, be true to who you are. And I think that's also very important because at the end of the day, You know, you're the one who has to look at yourself in the mirror. And if you're being true to who you are, that's what matters most. Um, And I I think that's that can be a guiding, uh, you know, one of the guideposts for you uh, personally and professionally. And then I, you know, I think lastly, uh, you know, just continue to challenge yourself. Always, always look for uh, that next opportunity to, to learn and grow.
0: It's been a pleasure to have you here. This has been a wonderful conversation. Um, anything else to add that we didn't cover today that you think our audience might be interested in hearing?
1: No, I, I you know, thank you for having me, Brandt, and you know, I really appreciate the time and would, would welcome uh, uh, to uh, anybody that's interested in connecting or or if I can be a, a resource for anybody, I'd, I'd welcome the opportunity and um, certainly available on LinkedIn and that could be a great first step. Uh, and certainly uh, appreciate the time you've taken and look forward to uh, uh, maybe another one down the road at some point.
0: Fantastic, Mark. Well, you've been very generous with your time, and thank you for you being generous with our audience as well. Thank you. Have a great day. You Bye as well. Now.
1: Thank you. Thank you for listening to Into the Corner
0: Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brandt, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.goforroy.com. We look forward to having you join us
1: for our next episode.